0: Welcome to Adapt, episode 33, which is brought to you by Text Expander, Paperlike, and Hover. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host, who's returning to the show after a little bit of a break, Federico Vatici. How are you, Federico?
1: Hello, Ryan. I'm good. I left, and of course, you talked about the Mac. Why am I not surprised?
0: Okay, you, you say, of course, as if, like, weren't you surprised that I talked about the Mac? Like, I'm I'm not a Mac person, you know? Like... Are, why are you giving so, me a hard time?
1: In Italy, we have, a, we have a, an expression. I don't know if you have an English equivalent. Um, basically, the saying goes, uh, when the cat's not around, the mice uh, uh, are dancing. Okay. Um, and in this case, I would be the cat. That, that's and an the interesting... UN job would be the mice. Yeah,
0: so the, yeah. The, the US expression is, when the cat's away, the mice come out to play.
1: Um, well, yeah, th- they are dancing in Italian. Um, yeah. But yeah, w- when the cat's away, the, yeah. I did in, think in, of in that Italy, exact
0: this... expression when I knew that we were going to talk about the Mac. I, well, I there you go. I didn't go. mention it on the show, but yeah. I mean, you know, those, the Mac is not something that you would necessarily want to talk through with me. Maybe someday we will, but... Well, um,
1: you know, I got to tell you, though. Like, I got to be honest. Um, I am very intrigued by the idea of a a super lightweight base MacBook model that has an extremely long battery life, as per the latest rumors, that is running Big Sur, which, as we mentioned before, I think it looks fantastic, and that has the ability to run Catalyst apps and native iPad apps are modified. Like, I don't see myself using a Mac as my primary computer again, but if there ever was a time where I could actually try a Mac computer again, I think that's the kind of computer like an Apple Silicon MacBook. 12 inches, super lightweight, long battery life that runs Catalyst apps and iPad apps. That's a very interesting computer, I think.
0: Yeah, I've been using my Mac Mini a little bit more in the last couple of weeks since having that discussion with John. And there's a number of things where I'm like, oh, I love this and, you know, some things that I didn't realize I could do on the Mac the last time that I used one regularly. Um, but then there's also the things that are like, Oh, window management. I, I don't care for this. And, you know, even if you get, uh, an app like a better touch tool to kind of more easily move your windows into different arrangements, it's, mm-hmm. it's not that those windows will kind of automatically yeah. optimize the apps the way that the iPad does. And so there's just, you know, there's, it, it's a mixed bag. Um, I think for me, part of it is I'm just such a such a sucker for like the new and shiny. <laughs> and uh, we haven't had like a really truly new iPad Pro in a couple years. I mean, the 2020 model, right? You got lidar. That's you know, mm-hmm. it's cool, but um, but it's mostly the same as the 2018 model. Yeah. And then iPad OS this year, like it's a decent update, but it's not a a huge update.
1: I but agree. then there's,
0: there's like yeah. the shiny Mac OS Big Sur over there mm. kind of tempting you, you know?
1: No, that, that is a very good point. Like I've been thinking about this, of course, in, in writing my my iOS and OS review. The fact that, yeah, OS, the multi-column stuff, really good. The, you know, all these new layouts for iPad apps, really, really interesting, really useful. But I'm... Um, it's not that exciting for me and you know there's two main issues i guess personally speaking i'm not a huge apple pencil user and so you know one of the one of the biggest improvements to iPadOS is all the new pencil integration with the scribble and you know the ability to handwrite anywhere and that honestly i think it's technically impressive it's really remarkable what they've been able to build not something that i will ever use myself like i cannot ever see myself handwriting in a in a Google search field, for example. Like, it's not something that I would ever see myself doing. And so there's that. uh, Not particularly exciting for me, personally. And the second thing is, I've been thinking, like, how much more exciting it would have been if I could place widgets anywhere on the iPad home screen as well. Yes. Like, that would have been so much fun. And they gave us this half version of the fun, because we can do that on the iPhone, but imagine on the iPad with the bigger screen, you know, like all the custom layouts that we could have built. And it's sort of like those new widgets are right there in the left column teasing us. It's like we're here and we're new and you can do all this fancy configuration stuff now, but hey, we got, we're stuck here. You cannot place us on the home screen. I'm like, man, that would have been so exciting if, if they gave us like the, the second half of the feature. Uh, because even without the app library, just with widgets on the iPad home screen, I would have felt very different about iPadOS 14, I think.
0: Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And I've been thinking about this a lot for two reasons. One, I've been getting a lot of betas with a lot of really great widgets in them, Mm -hmm. right? At the start Mm -hmm. of the summer, we just had some Apple ones and they're good, but it it was limited options. And now there's just a lot of great widgets that are coming. And also you and I, are going to be releasing a special members episode of Adapt in the next week or so where we talk through our iPadOS home screens. And, you know, as part of preparing for that, I've been really thinking through, okay, how do I I want to build, like, the ideal home screen for the iPadOS 14 era? And it's, like, it's not that different from how it was before, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. there's just very few options. And when when you know that you've got these widgets that you could, like on the iPhone, like you can just put them on the home screen and I've gotten used to having home screen widgets on the iPhone. And the fact that we can't do that on the iPad, it's just, ah, it's so disappointing.
1: Yeah, yeah. The iPad home screen this year, I I guess the best way to sum it up is one third of it is different. (laughs) And and even then, I mean, it just looks different because the widgets are new. But like the behavior of it, it... Like that today column on the left, it doesn't behave any differently from before. Like you still have your pinned widgets at the top and then you can scroll to see more widgets. But the only thing is those widgets are new. They look new and they have, you know, uh, they're using this new system. But everything else, like the grid and, you know, the dock, nothing nothing is different. So, yeah, I feel really bad about having those fancy, beautiful widgets there and not be able to actually place them anywhere on a bigger screen that you would think, if they were ever to change the home screen, they would start from the iPad, because it's easier, because it's bigger, because you have more freedom to customize it. But no, they started from the opposite end. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about a happier subject, I think. Mm. And that is, we're going to talk about a device that you've been using for a little while that you've kind of talked about a little bit here and there, but I've never had the chance to kind of ask you questions and figure out like how this has fit into your life, and that is the iPad Mini. Mm. The iPad Mini is something that we've talked about before because you were really tempted to get one, especially following reading uh, our colleague John Voorhees' story earlier this year as we were celebrating the iPad's 10th anniversary, on Mac Stories, he wrote this great story called The Mighty Mini, and immediately after reading that, you, you started thinking and, and adding the iPad Mini to your shopping cart on Apple's website over and over again, mm-hmm. and eventually you gave in and bought one. Um, so, I want to talk about that. When, when did you actually give in and, and buy mm-hmm. the iPad Mini?
1: Yeah. Um, so, as you mentioned, it's all John's fault, as most things these days. Um. That iPad mini sat in my online shopping bag on the Apple online store for like a month. Uh, it was during the lockdown, so we started the lockdown, the first, at least the first, I hope it's the first and only one. But the first lockdown we started in Italy in, in early March, and soon after that, I think it was mid-March when I started thinking about the iPad mini again, because I realized I am spending a lot of time at home... Um And it was a time when all the things were getting cancelled, like on all kinds of online and in-person events. And so suddenly I found myself with a lot of free time for reading and watching videos. And the more I used my big iPad Pro to do that, usually when when just sitting on the couch or lying in bed... I realized, well, this is a little too big for my taste. Like it's fine, I can use it. I think it's actually very nice, especially when reading, to be able to hold such a large display and see the entirety of an article, for example. It looks very nice, but after an hour or after, you know, forty-five minutes, um my wrists start feeling kind of funny. And I, I don't think holding this device for prolonged periods of time is gonna be good for my hands. And so I started, you know, I went back and re-read uh, John's story uh, on Mac Stories. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more, the more I kept thinking, you know, this device looks really, really fun and, and small and portable. And John kept telling me, uh, look, you're going to buy one eventually. I know you're going to love it. And I was uh, skeptical about it because, you know, uh, the iPad mini... Um, I don't love the fact that um, it's got that old industrial design, you know, uh, with the home button and the bezels, and it doesn't have uh, the rounded, uh, what's it called, the liquid retina display uh, of the iPad Pro. It looks really old. Even though it was refreshed last year, um, it looks very old. It doesn't have Face ID, it doesn't have anything of the modern iPad experience. And so that was one of the reasons why I was skeptical. But eventually I was convinced that it was the iPad I was looking for in terms of... I realized I wanted to have a really portable iPad. Uh, Something that, you know, this realization came to me. Uh, For a long time, I've been fascinated by the multi-iPad lifestyle. But I figured I don't want to have two iPads that are similar to each other in size. So I used to have the 11-inch iPad Pro and the 12.9-inch iPad Pro before. I would use the 11-inch, the smaller one, as the media iPad, so for books, games, and watching videos. And the other iPad Pro, the bigger one, for work, as my main computer. But then I realized, these are too similar to each other, like, yes, the the 11-inch is smaller, but it's not that much smaller, and it's not as portable as an iPhone or as an iPad mini could be. And so I realized, I am the kind of person who likes to use multiple iPads. However, if I were to use two iPads, they need to be at opposite ends of the iPad spectrum. And so the realization I made was I want to use the biggest iPad possible for my work, and I want to use the smallest iPad possible for everything else, which in my case would be reading articles and books and watching videos and do the occasional browsing and note-taking, but not any sort of um, managing my business or writing articles or writing, you know, uh, the newsletters, for example. So there are two iPads sitting at the opposite ends of the what you can do with an iPad in 2020. And um, I, I started using it in, in I want to say, April, at some point in April. And uh, yeah, it's been fun using this for the past... Um, what is it, four months uh, at this point. Uh, it's been really fun and I've been using it every day. Um, I can tell you it's, it's a base model iPad mini with a smart cover. I don't have any sort of keyboard attached. I don't have any of my work-related apps installed on it. So no email accounts, no IA Writer, which is my text editor, no Slack. Uh, everything that I have on this thing is, is, is either for basic note-taking or for playing games and watching videos and reading books and articles online.
0: Wow, okay. So I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> that you use it every day. That, that oh, was kind yeah. of one of my questions, is how, how often you use it. Because oh, yeah. I, I know like in the past, and, and maybe like you said, it's just a, a matter of before you had two iPads that were too similar. Um, but with the 11-inch and 12.9-inch iPad Pro, you know, I would ask you, you know what do you use each device for and like at different times you're like yeah i haven't really used the 11 inch that much lately or yeah. um so yeah that's an interesting thought just to get the the total opposite iPads as much as possible opens up more differentiation in use cases so um yeah that's that's really interesting so reading and watching videos those are those are the two primary tasks that you use it for right now
1: yeah um so I'm going to give you some practical examples. So, um, I've been uh, the apps that I have uh, are Reader, um, but not necessarily for RSS. I've been using Reader for his read later integration, uh, where I can save articles I want to read later uh, from the web. Um, I've been playing around with replacing Reader um, with Good Links, specifically um, for the you know for saving articles for ra- for later because Good Links they're working on a really really good iPadOS 14 uh, update with multi-columns, which I'm going to talk about in a minute in the context of the small iPad Mini. Um, But yeah, so far I still have Reader installed with the ReadLater account. Um, And I also have Apple Books, although I have not read any books in the Books app lately. Uh, And then I guess what I I really do a lot is I use the iPad Mini at night because um, every night for the past few months uh, I've you know, kept it aside as my time for playing video games. And most of the time I'm playing Pokemon um, online. So what I do with the iPad mini is I use it a lot to watch videos from the um, competitive Pokemon players that I follow on YouTube. And, you know, I've been learning a lot from them and just being able to, to keep the iPad mini right there like, uh, for example, on one side of the bed so that it doesn't bother Sylvia because it's not as bright as the big iPad Pro. And I can just keep uh, a video in the background as maybe I'm doing something else on my Nintendo Switch. I can just keep a video on the side and pay attention to that as I'm um, playing on the Nintendo Switch. It's really useful for that. Also, what I do is I... I use the iPad mini for note taking um and note taking that pertains to um the uh, to to the Pokemon game. So, uh taking notes on ideas that I have for the team that I want to build, um I use Tot to take these very simple notes that also will sync to my iPhone. So if like I have an idea for a particular Pokemon or for a particular move that I want to test, I can save a note in Tot and it's really fun to use on the iPad mini. Uh, it's like this super simple scratch pad that opens in full screen, and I can thumb type on the iPad Mini in portrait. It's super fun. It works really well. Or I can use a, um, some different uh, websites in Safari. Uh, the primary one that I use is called Pokemon Showdown, and Showdown is this online resource to test different ideas. And uh, the iPad Mini in landscape is big enough to accommodate all of the Showdown's uh, UI elements. Uh, and otherwise, I just use it as a YouTube machine. I have Discord installed because I'm, I'm on a bunch of different Discords for um, competitive uh, Pokemon Play. And uh, I, I guess I just use Safari a lot. So to browse around, catch up on the local and national news, um, check out Mac Stories because, you know, maybe one day um, I'm busy writing and I haven't had the time to actually read uh, the articles that were published on the website. Uh, at night, I can go there and read articles on Mac, story, on mac Stories and maybe even go to, go to a bunch of different websites like Daring Fireball and 925 to 5 mac So a lot of Safari usage, a lot of YouTube usage, and uh, yeah, reading articles that I saved in Reader. Um, and I use it every day because... What I started doing is, when I'm done working um, in the evening, I close the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard and I leave it charging in the living room. So uh, right uh, underneath the TV, we have a charging station and I just leave the iPad Pro there, the the 12.9-inch model there. And I just grabbed the iPad Mini, which was charging in the same place during the day, and I start using it at night. So there's a clear separation of roles between them. And there's like a clear routine, I guess, uh, where at some point I stop using the Big iPad Pro, which is also a very nice way for me to say, I've stopped working, now I can relax. And in switching iPad models, I'm sort of putting myself in that mindset as well, of like, now here's the entertainment iPad and I can relax, and I can, you know, spend time with my girlfriend, we can watch some Netflix, and then because I go, I go to sleep after her, Um, you know, I can play, and I can uh, uh, browse the web and read articles for a couple of hours before I also go to sleep.
0: Okay, so it's really, you've got a daytime and a nighttime iPad set so uh, Yes,
1: yes, that's okay. what, because I don't play video games and I don't watch YouTube during the day. Yeah, uh, it's, that's what it is.
0: Okay, okay. Um, I have a bunch more questions, but before I get to those, let me thank our first sponsor for today. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember just the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, and better than scripts and templates. Text expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type, while still customizing and personalizing your messages. There are a lot of different use cases for Text Expander, uh, but for my work in particular, email is the best place to put Text Expander to use. Um, you can set up advanced snippets with the exact formatting that you want, so you can it's not just plain text. You can format the text with things like bold, italicized, and underlined. Um, you can even include photos in the snippets that you set up. I mean, it's a really powerful tool for whatever emails you need to send regularly or whatever other uses you might have. And of course, Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. So take your time back and increase your productivity. Adapt listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit Textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, the iPad Mini, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's not the newest design, it's not the freshest, mm-hmm. hottest looking device in the world. Um, and that's honestly one of the things that going into this conversation um, gave me a little bit of comfort that I knew I wouldn't come out of the conversation having, you know, spent $400 um, Mm -hmm. because I I really don't care for that, that older design. And especially because there are rumors that, that something new might come and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit here in a minute, but um, it's, you know, it's just not one, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm a sucker for the new and shiny. And so iPad Mini, I can't quite get over that hurdle of it being, you know, the the old original iPad design. Um, But I did use the iPad Mini a lot before the first iPad Pro came out. Um, I've been an iPad user since the very first iPad model. I've had a lot of different iPads over the years. But once that first iPad Mini came out, um, I started using the iPad Mini. And then I had the iPad Mini 2 and that was the last iPad I was using before the iPad Pro came out in 2015. And I just I just love that little thing. You know, it's, it's such a great size. Um, I actually, I remember, so I would have um, a smart cover, or like at one point I had kind of a third-party version of a smart cover where um, it covered the back as well. But I would have that. And then I had a leather jacket that... Essentially, I wore for close to half the year because i back then I was more sensitive to the cold and not so much these days, but I would wear it all fall all winter, and my leather jacket had a pocket on the inside that was the perfect fit for the iPad mini, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean most of the time like these days i don't I don't know that I have a, a coat or a jacket that could fit the iPad mini in it, but but being able to carry, you know, not just a phone with me without having to like hold it in my hands, but to just slide that I've had many in my jacket pocket was so nice. And so like, I, as I shared last episode, um, talking to John, if, if I, you know, in, in some hypothetical future where I, I buy an Apple Silicon Mac, um, and I start to use the Mac a bit more, I would definitely be like in the prime market for a revised, more modern iPad mini. Uh, I think that would be just a a great kind of supplementary device because it has been for me in the past as well. Um, but I, I haven't really thought so much about getting one now because I use my iPhone for lots of the things that I used to kind of use the iPad mini more so for. And, uh, so like reading, for example. Um, I read a lot of books. Obviously, I read a lot on the web as well. But uh, with book reading in particular, the iPad mini was always fantastic. Like it's a, it's a really great size for that. But now I use my iPhone and I, I currently use an iPhone 11 Pro. Um, before that, I had the XS Max and I, I kind of decided that Especially now, um, a couple years ago, I moved to New York City. I'm, you know, in an urban area where I can walk places rather than having to drive everywhere. And because of that, I like to be able to walk around using my phone in one hand, and I can do that with a Max phone, but not. It, it's not as ideal as using the the standard Eleven Pro size. Um, I believe that you use the Pro Max. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I'm I'm just wondering, like, how how much differentiation is there really between the pro max iPhone and the iPad mini, because in screen size, they're not that different. Um, And then also, you know, rumors for this year's iPhones are saying that the max model is going to be even bigger than ever before. Uh, So like a 6.7 inch display, which I believe the iPad mini has a 7.9 inch. I mean, it's, it's still a difference for sure. Um, And they run different OSs. But can you kind of talk through, like, in your mind, like, why why do you not just use your iPhone for some of the things that you use the iPad mini for? Um, And if you do plan to get that larger iPhone 12 Pro Max, do you still think that there will be enough of a difference between that and the iPad Mm -hmm.
1: mini? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that... um... While the numbers are similar to each other, in practice, the ergonomics of the two devices are radically different. Uh, the Pro Max and the iPad Mini, even though you, you, you may say from a numbers perspective, they're really not that different, right? However, the, the ergonomics of the device and the form factor uh, and the... And the mm, the display uh, of the iPad is so different from using an iPhone. So even though, from a pure numbers perspective, they're kind of close to each other, they still feel very much different in actual use. Um, a good example of this is watching YouTube videos in landscape on an iPhone Pro Max and an iPad mini. The iPhone Pro Max, I mean, it's big enough and it's, kinda, it's pretty comfortable to use, right? However, you do that for like an hour, and at least personally, it's not something that I enjoy. Like I can watch a YouTube video on my phone for 10-15 minutes and it's fine, but anything longer than that, I start uh, you know, craving that bigger display. And the iPad mini, it feels so much bigger in landscape um, because, of the, because of the display in 4-factor. And, you know, that the fact that in landscape you get all that um, height um, that you don't get on an iPhone in landscape. Um, so I, if, and also when it comes to the ergonomics of holding the device, really, really different still. Uh, you hold an iPhone primarily with one hand um, and you use your thumb to interact with the device if you can. And, when, you know, and you can use it in landscape to watch videos um, And you can still hold it with one hand in landscape, um, although the pro Max, I don't recommend it doing that, especially if you want to watch a longer video. The iPad Mini, you hold it different. You hold it with both hands, but you can also hold it with one hand. And I don't know about the weight distribution and the fact that you can so easily switch orientations. They those two devices, despite like the numbers, they paint one picture. But in practice, it's a completely different story. That's how I feel about the iPad Mini. Because before getting one, I also thought, oh, well, the displays are kind of close to each other. What's the big deal between going from a 5 point, I don't remember what it is, 5 point something display to a 7 inch display? Like it's not that big a jump, but in practice it is. It absolutely is. And it's the, the fact that this, the display is bigger, and you can tell that it's bigger, especially in landscape mode when watching videos. Like you get so much more detail on an iPad mini because it's a bigger screen. Uh, but they're also different when you actually hold the devices, they feel different. Uh, and I, I wouldn't, uh, after getting one, I now understand why some people before me kept saying, Yes, I know that the numbers are similar, but in practice, they are still very different experiences.
0: yeah, I hadn't thought about even the weight distribution of the devices and yeah, I, I haven't looked up the exact weight but of each of them, but like that the those premium iPhones are fairly heavy for you know they feel mm-hmm. dense right they feel they feel yeah, solid they and and I could see where the ipad mini it it's just more comfortable to kind of. Yeah, you use with one hand, you use with two hands. The ergonomics, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point I hadn't considered because, you know, you, you just kind of naturally think, oh, well, the smaller iPhone would be easier or more comfortable to handle, but that's not necessarily the case, especially mm. in some of the scenarios that you're talking about. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, you, since you primarily use it for consumption... I, I assume that that means you're not really multitasking on the iPad Mini at all. Is that true?
1: Yeah, no, no, really, no. Very few times when um, um, I need to use split view on the iPad Mini. For example, uh, it's primarily like a full screen type of deal. Uh, whether I'm using Safari or YouTube or TOT or Discord, um, I have used split view on the iPad Mini. Um, in Landscape, it's kind of funny because you get these very minuscule windows for both apps. It's kind of like having two... Uh, in, using Split View in Landscape, it's kind of like having two um, iPhone SEs next to each other. Uh, it's, it kind of feels like that. You get this super compact... Layout to where both apps default to the compact size class. And so you get, you know, toolbars because there's not enough space for additional menus. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's usable, but it's a, it's, it's a very different experience from the iPad Pro. And so it's possible to use. And then you also got to factor in the fact that I don't have an external keyboard. So when I'm using the iPad mini in landscape, in split view, with the software keyboard shown, like, I get so little of an app's interface above the keyboard. It's, it's kind of funny to see in, in real life. It's, it's very, very, very small. Like, it's possible, you can do it, but I don't recommend it. This is not the device for multitasking. However, I will say this is something that, that I've been meaning, I've been tweeting about this. Um, with the new multi-column APIs in iPadOS 14, uh, developers will have more freedom in terms of saying, I want to always use, like, for example, a three column layout uh, in my app. And um, I want to, you know, disregard the compact size classes. I always want to show you three columns. Like, it's possible now for developers to be more explicit about the layouts that they want to use in their apps when it comes to columns on iPad. And There's one example of an Apple app that's been updated for iPadOS 14, Voice Memos. Voice Memos is the, and and I'm totally serious when I say this, Voice Memos is the best implementation of multi-column in iPadOS 14 on any iPad model. Voice Memos is the only Apple application that supports a three-column layout both in landscape and portrait on the big iPad Pro you can use 3 columns in portrait mode on the 12.9 inch iPad Pro 3 simulti- when i say 3 columns i mean 3 concurrent columns where each one of them is interactive and on the iPad mini voice memos is the only apple app that supports 3 columns in landscape it doesn't support them in portrait but it does in landscape no other apple app supports three columns in landscape on the iPad mini. Uh, Notes doesn't, Mail doesn't, um, none of them do, but Voice Memos does, which I've been tweeting about this, I tweeted about this last week. Um, I think there's something to the fact that uh, Voice Memos is one of the apps that was rebuilt from the ground up with uh, Catalyst technology, so maybe there's something there, but in either case, I think it's kind of funny that um, that this is the only Apple app that has, like, the real um, persistent three-column layout. And I will tell you, three columns in landscape on the iPad mini, as far as voice memos goes, surprisingly usable. Like, it's not terrible. And yes, voice memos, maybe it's the... Best example for this, because it's a relatively simple UI, you know, not a lot of buttons. You only get this waveform when you record a voice memo. So it's a relatively simple UI to design for. But still, you're showing three columns at once on the iPad Mini. It's kind of cramped, but it's totally usable. Totally fine. So maybe, maybe there will be more apps that will say hey, even if it's an iPad Mini, I'm still going to use three columns in landscape at once, and it, it's going to be fine.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that's very strange. <laughs> the The Mac Catalyst thing makes a lot of sense because I'm I'm trying to think through the other like initial Catalyst apps at least, and I I can't think of another one that would have a reason to support three columns in the first place. And so maybe that's just you know part of the benefit of. Uh, of being a Mac Catalyst app. Yeah. Very strange, though, nonetheless.
1: It, it, it is. It, is it's, it just feels so random that of all apps that, you know, like Notes would be a fantastic example. Oh, yeah. Um, a mail. Uh, but no, <laughs> it's voice memos instead. <laughs> uh, oh, well.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Um, If, so, if there were going to be, and I sure hope there is going to be a kind of pro-esque future model of the iPad mini which you know I was thinking about this Uh, I've Mm. always kind of thought it would be strange to make a modern looking iPad mini that's called the iPad mini pro because Mm. like who's really gonna use that like as their primary computer or you know as a professional device I mean there are lots of there are lots of interesting uses in in business for the iPad mini where because of the size it's just a great fit for different industries um but like an iPad mini pro just has seemed strange to me. However, lately there have been these rumors about what may be the next iPad Air that's going to have uh you know reportedly a smaller bezels and lose the traditional home button, um, but have a home button maybe on the side of the device. Anyways. Maybe they're going to call that the iPad Air Pro, but I kind of think it makes more sense to just call it like the next iPad Air. And so I could see where that's the direction Apple decides to take the next iPad Mini. It's not going to be an iPad Mini Pro, but it's still going to look like the iPad Pro models in, you know, not having the traditional home button. Um, Maybe they won't put Face ID in there because that's a little too expensive to have all those sensors but they could put the home button on the side as part of the power button somehow. And uh, so anyways, all that to say, the idea of a more modern-looking iPad Mini makes a lot more sense to me if it's not going to be billed as a Pro model. And now that there's potentially an iPad Air that's not going to be billed as a Pro model, uh, I think that gives even more weight to the rumors about such an iPad Mini. However, if that is going to be in the iPad Mini's future would you want like the same size body for the device but with a bigger display because of the reduced bezels and the lack of the normal home button? Or do you think it would be better to have the same size display in a smaller body?
1: I think I will go for the first one. So the same uh, physical body size but a bigger display because of the reduced bezels. Like What I love most about the iPad Mini is the fact that the entire thing is so compact, is so small, um, and it doesn't weight much. Like, yeah, I think I would prefer the first one. I don't want, I don't want this device to grow any bigger, honestly, like it, the, 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 the entire physical footprint of it. Um, So same physical size, but bigger display inside because of the new liquid retina technology, I assume, and the lack of, you know, the smaller bezels. So yeah, the first one, because I value the overall portability of the thing. The fact that it's so thin... I I also should have mentioned this. This device is so thin, it's kind of ridiculous. It feels like an iPod Touch but bigger. It's very very thin and kind of refreshing to use because the iPhones have been growing thicker and heavier as you mentioned before. Um so because I value that overall portability and and the fact that it's so lightweight when you hold it, I would welcome the same footprint but the bigger display because of the rounded corners and the uh, smaller bezels. So yeah, uh, I really hope this is the direction they go in because again as I mentioned, I want to make sure that I that I have two iPads that are c- the complete opposite of each other. Uh, and actually while we're on the topic, I will say I will go on the record and say if Apple if Apple were to make an even bigger iPad Pro, I would switch immediately because I realized the iPad Pro um a 13 or 14 inches like I'm still carrying it around in a bag anyway like it's not like i leave the house with the ipad and just holding it you know just walking around it with as if it were an envelope or something like i'm still, i still have to put it in a bag so if i'm if i'm using a bag anyway does it even matter if it grows to 14 or 15 inches i don't think so and primarily i'm using this ipad pro in stationary mode and sure I love the fact that I can r- rip out the display uh, for, you know, from the magic keyboard and use the iPad as a tablet. That is never going to change. However, I think it, it shouldn't matter if I'm holding a 13-inch display or a 15-inch display. In fact, I think that would be beautiful to have, like a big display that I can hold in my hands. Imagine split view on that thing. That would be incredible. So uh, I would actually welcome an even bigger iPad Pro and that would justify even more the decision to have the smallest iPad possible as the opposite device. Um, so yeah, uh, biggest and smallest—that's uh, that's sort of the, the strategy that I have for the this new this new spin, I guess, on the multi-pad lifestyle.
0: It makes a lot of sense because uh, traditionally people with the Mac have had their desktop and their laptop, which. Tend to have very different screen sizes right and um, even like with the the MacBook air at one point there's that I think it was 11 point six inch iPad air, um, which I loved I had one of those for a little while uh, It's a nice small size, especially if you have a desktop and yeah with the with the iPad mini i i don't know like I, I definitely don't want it to get any bigger, but I think between having the same size body but a bigger display on it or a smaller body with the same size display like i i don't know i i, I think i'd probably go with a slightly bigger display but in the same body as well because mm-hmm. then maybe you know multitasking could be even more usable not that it would be a regular thing like i i'm guessing that even though split view probably isn't ideal in any scenario that slide over is probably a better multitasking use on the iPad mini. And that could be even better if the screen were just a little bit bigger. Um, it could potentially be, and I don't, you know, I haven't done the math and worked out all the dimensions and everything, but you know, when the 10.5 inch iPad pro became the 11 inch iPad pro, they actually changed the, the orientation to where it's in landscape. It's a wider device. Um, And so I don't know, like if, if Apple were kind of stretching the, or changing the body in some way, then maybe they would change the, the dimensions, um, to fit better with the 11 inch. I don't know. There's, there's a lot that could be done and I, I just hope that they, they do do something because the iPad mini is, is a really great device and, um, they could keep around the current model, right? Maybe knock uh, $100 or so off the price but, but introduce this new modern model and uh, I think that could be that could be really neat um, there, yeah. there may very well be an iPad mini in my future not, mm, not before there's a new one but okay. when there's a new one I think it would be really something mm-hmm. okay we need to talk about your challenge because you had a challenge yes. we haven't done a challenge in so long and, uh, and now we have one to talk about uh, let me thank another sponsor before we get into that. Uh, this episode of Adapt is also brought to you by Paperlike. If you have an iPad, then you'll know how great it is to store your notes, drafts, and sketches digitally. But sometimes drawing with the Apple Pencil just doesn't quite feel as good as writing on paper. Paperlike is the iPad screen protector for creators and doers that lets you draw and write like on paper. So whether you're annotating drafts, taking notes, or sketching out your big ideas, with Paperlike, you can take things to the next level by reducing muscle fatigue that's caused by writing on a glass tablet and making your iPad feel just like a notebook, all while keeping the convenience of digital. Artists love Paperlike too because it's optimized to create the ideal amount of friction and the right stroke resistance for optimal accuracy. So instead of sliding your Apple Pencil around on the glass surface, it feels just like a page in your sketchbook. And unlike other screen protectors, Paperlike enhances your viewing experience. It's made with superior display quality in mind. Paperlike never disrupts the experience of watching Netflix or YouTube. And the matte anti-glare finish even lets you enjoy screen time while in the sun. I know that Federico really enjoys his time at the beach every summer and I'm actually currently planning a beach trip as well so that uh, anti-glare finish is going to be put to really good use here soon for me. Uh, go to paperlike.com/adapt right now to get your paperlike. That's paperlike.com/adapt. Our thanks to Paperlike for their support of Adapt and all of Relay FM. Okay, it was a little while ago, but if you mm-hmm. remember, I gave you a challenge to yeah. research and try out apps that support iCloud versioning, which is a, a feature with iCloud that most people probably don't know exists, and maybe mm-hmm. even most app developers don't know exists because it's, it's been around for a while, but yeah. so few apps take advantage of it, and, and it's just not like even Apple, you know, it's not like they app- offer it in a ton of their apps. It's it's just it seems like this this thing that's like it's there if you want it, and so but we're not gonna we're not gonna encourage you to use it. We're not gonna promote it at all. It's it's very strange. Um, I feel like Apple could kind of do a rebranding or something, or like a, a new marketing push for developers to adopt iCloud versioning. Um, because it's it's nice to to have the the peace of mind that as you make changes to a document and and these days, right the the norm is for documents to save automatically, right? You don't have to constantly hit the save button, like in you know ancient times. but still there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of value, I think, in being able to browse all those past versions without having to like create separate copies or do anything like that. So it's a valuable feature, it's a great feature for the way that, that modern file management works and yet it's not available. So, so I asked you to try out apps, to find apps that use it and kind of explain how this iCloud versioning works. So were you, mm-hmm. were you able to find some apps that, that actually support it?
1: Yeah, so I was able to find um, five apps. There are actually three of them, um, as we'll see in a few minutes. Um, one is actually three, but you know, it's the same suite of apps. So you know where this is going. Um, so iCloud versioning, I remembered when you gave me the challenge that the first popular app that I came across that featured this technology years ago was MindNode. And I remember years ago, for a long time, I thought that this was like a MindNode specific uh, thing, that it wasn't, uh, it was a, like a, some exclusive functionality that the MindNode developers were able to build. And years ago, I actually talked to them and they explained to me that this was an, a native iCloud Drive API, that it was so poorly documented then basically very few developers knew about its existence, which explained why so very few apps implemented iCloud versioning. So MindNode was the first app that came to mind, and I'm familiar with it because MindNode is my uh, mind mapping app of choice. And uh, um, I think of of all these apps, it's a really good example of how you can mm, combine the advantages of the files framework in iCloud Drive with a powerful feature such as versioning. So MindNode uses the files document browser. Uh, this is something that we talked about before. Document browser means that when you open MindNode, what you're presented with is a files view. The same view that you see in the files app, you also see in MyNode as the start page. So you, by default, the app creates a MyNode folder in iCloud Drive but then you can also open and save documents in any other location of the Files app, from local storage to Dropbox to other iCloud Drive folders. Um, so when you open, to open versions in, in MyNode, it's very easy. All you need to do is long press a file, a document, in the main Files view, and Versions is a button in the Context menu. And that's all that is, and this is the way it should be in all apps that use files, I think. Um, It's very easy to do. You just long press and you see a versions option. And when you tap it, this pop-up comes up and it shows you the multiple versions of of the selected document that were saved in iCloud. You can pick one and you can restore it. Um, That's all that is. Uh, It's very easy, very intuitive. It's right there in the main context menu. Um, The second app that um, I didn't immediately... um, think of, however I should have because it's another app that I use every day is IA Writer and IA Writer has a fascinating implementation of iCloud versions in that IA Writer uses iCloud Drive as its main document storage location however it does not use the files document browser it's got its own file manager Uh, still versions are available for iCloud Drive documents uh, and you can access them in two ways Like MindNode, there's a context menu. You can long press a text file in the sidebar. And the context menu, which was added to IA Writer a few months ago, really feature-packed now. Lots of options in this context menu, including the ability to open a document in a separate window. On iPad, really well done. Uh, Versions is an option there. Otherwise, you can also find browse versions in the share sheet. So in the text editor, the share sheet at the top You share the document and you're going to see browse versions as an option right there if you don't want to use the context menu. What is nice about the um, versioning integration in Writer is that it comes with an additional feature compared to MindNode. So just like MindNode, this pop-up comes up. You can see the multiple versions and the timestamp. You can pick one. You can revert to that version. uh, But what you can also do in iRider is you can pick multiple versions and you can create multiple copies of the old file. So you're not forced to say either keep the current file or revert to one older copy. You can pick multiple older copies and create a bunch of versions of those files in your in the iWriter library. So it's a good way to say, well, let me pick two versions, create copies for each of them, and then I will decide. This is a very nice touch. Also, iWriter, this uh, semi-related to versions, in addition to iCloud versions, it also comes with support for local backups. And local backups mean uh, those are backups of the document that you're working on that were saved every time the device actually uh, wrote a copy uh, to the file system. So there may be local backups and and iCloud versions There may be some um, some of the same copies, some overlapping there, uh, but it's a good way. For example, one time I was having iCloud Drive issues in in iWriter, and I feared that I had lost like a solid forty five minutes of writing. This was last year. The iOS thirteen beta was the iPadOS thirteen beta, I should say, was very problematic with iCloud Drive for me, and so i I, I, I iWriter crashed, and I thought that it didn't save any of my uh, any of my uh, latest changes to the document, but thanks to local backups, I was able to restore them because the device had actually written the changes to the file system, to the local file system, but the file system had not synced to iCloud Drive. So iCloud Drive versions were empty, but the local backups were not. So it's really good to have both options. I think, in IE Writer. Both iCloud, and if iCloud is misbehaving, you can still use the local backups. Really well done. And lastly, so I was doing research for this episode, and I, so I wrote the details for iWriter and MindNode, and then I started thinking, you know, there's something that bothers me here, because I, I think I knew about some other apps that offered versions, but I can't think of them. And so I started, and it was like... I, <sighs> I'm sure that there was something else and it was really bothering because I couldn't uh, figure out what it was. So I started doing some Googling and I landed on an apple.com support page and then I went, of course, the iWork apps, all of them, Numbers, Keynote and Pages, they all actually support versions on iOS and iPadOS, but nobody knows about this feature because it's so hidden from view. Um, So all these apps, like on the Mac, they support versions, and it's actually really well done. As I'll explain in in a few seconds, the main problem is how you can actually activate the versions feature. To do this, you cannot use a context menu, you cannot use a share sheet. What you need to do, stay with me, all of these apps use the files document browser. To access versions, you need to tap select in the Files toolbar, select the document you want to browse versions for. And when the document is selected, a Versions button will show up in the top toolbar.
0: Wow. This is the only
1: way you need to select the file first, and then Versions will come up as an option in the toolbar. And when you, then you can tap Versions, and you get the usual pop-up. And what is really nice here and such a shame that this feature is so hidden from view, is that this pop-up has all the features of the the other apps. You can browse all your versions, you can restore them, but what you can also do is you can preview the version before you restore it. So you tap on a version, you choose Preview, and it opens in a Quick Look preview. And from the Quick Look preview, you can, of course, confirm that that is the version you want to restore, But from there, you also have an additional button that says save as copy. So they got this really nice flow going of browse versions, open one, preview the version, then decide: You want to restore this and overwrite the current version of the document or do you want to save a separate copy? It's really well done. However, I don't understand why this is so hidden and why isn't this a context menu option? I don't get it. Uh, the iWork apps, they they have a context menu. However, it only comes with the basic options. Um, so a really odd way to activate versions in iWork, but also really solid versions implementation. So um, at the end of the day, this challenge was really eye-opening. If, all, if only to confirm that version's really powerful file management feature, such a shame that more developers aren't using this and even Apple itself is using this, and it's so poorly documented in the app. Uh, it's, they must figure out, I think, going forward, especially apps that use the native document browser, there has to be a consistent way to browse versions. This needs to become a consistent built-in feature. It shouldn't be up to developers to implement either a context menu or a share sheet button or any other means to open versions this should be a, should be built into at, at the very least into the document browser, the standard files view and if you're an app like IA Writer, then you can you know design your own activation methods, but at the very least, document browser enabled apps should offer a consistent way to open versions
0: uh, that does seem like the perfect way to implement this because what Apple could do is build it into the files app itself so that you have yep. this kind of support for anything that's stored in iCloud Drive within files and lots of things don't have versions right you know it's not like your PDFs are constantly being updated necessarily although in some cases they are right you you got PDF annotation apps but if they built it into files first so that you had the peace of mind of knowing that all my documents in iCloud Drive have this versioning feature supported then apps such as you know, uh, I mean, they, I'm trying to think of ones that I that I use regularly that use the document browser. I mean, PDF Viewer is one. Um, gosh, man, what what
1: what? Pixel is Mater, maybe? Pixel Pixel, yes, uses, Pixelmator maybe? Pixelmator? yes, yeah. Pixelmator
0: and Pixelmator Photo are two apps that that use the the document browser. But they would just get this for free, and that that would be the way to go about it, right? Because Apple apparently isn't going to convince developers to adopt this. Um, and it's always best when they can just kind of give developers something for free anyways. And then it's another extra, like, carrot to to kind of prod developers toward adopting the document browser, um, which is a better experience in many cases for iPad users. And so it's kind of like everybody wins. And, and then you would have this, like, unified, single um method of how you access versions, which means that you you don't have to go poking around and and waste time like you had to trying to figure out, oh, how how do I, does this app support versions? And if it yeah. does, then how do I get there? Like you just have one way to do it. That seems like it would be just a really like clear cut. This is the best way to do it. Um and the best way to make this feature more widely supported across a variety of apps. So Maybe Apple will do it at some point. It doesn't seem like it's a high priority for the company. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of surprised at that. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to me why, like, versioning on the Mac, which historically, storage on the Mac has very much been tied to your local storage. So I know that's a little different now where they, they really want you to use iCloud Drive to have, like, your desktop and your documents sync in the cloud. Um, But historically, the way that you manage files and documents um, on the Mac is with local storage, and and that local storage can tend to be pretty limited at times. And with iCloud Drive, it's like you've got all this extra space and, you know, apps that, that use iCloud Drive I don't know quite how it all works, but I I assume that Apple provides enough kind of storage capacity that that most apps could store versions of documents without it really uh, costing them extra necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Apple could just kind of take care of that. It really wouldn't be. I'm, I'm assuming it wouldn't be a huge deal from a additional like storage standpoint, especially with the way that Apple is really good at. Um, like with the App Store, with app slices and things like that, where it's it's giving like a little, just the bits that you need, essentially. Like if they had something similar in place for versioning, like it's not like there would be a big a storage pull. It seems like there's more reason to have versioning in a cloud first kind of document management era versus in the past where it was tied to your hard drive that had a, a limited amount of space. I don't know that it's. It seems strange to me that that Apple hasn't prioritized this, and maybe yeah. maybe they will in the future. Um, I, I guess we'll see. But uh, but those are some great apps that you that you named. Mm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad that it's not just like the 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 poor, you know, not so great, haven't been updated in a while apps that support iCloud versioning. Yeah. These are yeah. these are first class iPad apps. Yes, but I, I suppose it makes sense since you know, as you shared. What the Node developers were saying: there's the documentation is so poor that you you really have to want to support versioning <laughs> in order to <laughs> yeah. do it. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's good to know. Hopefully, we'll see some change here in the future. But uh, but if not, at least we know that there are a handful mm-hmm. of apps, at least, yeah. that support this feature.
1: So, so I passed the challenge, right?
0: Oh, of course. It's,
1: it's been a while, so I just wanted to.
0: Probably. Yeah no uh, okay gold okay. star you know oh gold star A wow. plus yeah A plus yeah,
1: all I, all the all the all the trophies thank you
0: yeah it's you been know. a while since you've gotten challenge trophies so gotta so I, I still gotta got I still got it, it. Okay, you, okay oh you good. still got it Federico of course of good course. <laughs>
1: good good to know good to know
0: <laughs> um something else that we haven't done in a while is answer some ask adapt questions all right right we we've just had so much going on and we've done some different things this summer but. Um, But we need to do that. Uh, Before we do, let me thank our final sponsor. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? For a ton of entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you might have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free Whois privacy so that the bad guys don't get your information. It has a clean UX and UI. And monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I know that our listeners appreciate intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so to speak. And so I know that you will appreciate Hover. Uh, Their UX and UI really is simple and clean and easy to navigate. All the times that I've used Hover over the years, it's been so easy to use, both for setting up domains and just ongoing management of those domains. Um, You know, one thing that I I always enjoy uh, Federico and one of your other shows connected is Mm -hmm. that oftentimes while you are talking with Mike and Steven, you know, all of a sudden someone will say something and (laughs) create a domain name out of it. Like, oh, we need to we need to lock down that domain and uh, and right there on the air in a matter of seconds, someone has, you know, booked the domain through hover and it really is that easy. Right, it's it's almost yeah. too easy at times. You got to watch your wallet if you are one of the connected guys, but uh, it's very easy to do. It's a great system that works well, and and really, you know, domain name management is one of those things that it shouldn't have to be a lot of work. It shouldn't have to be a pain. And Hover just does it so well that it 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 fits in as it should as one of those things that's just easy, and then you don't have to think about it. So you can buy your domain and start using it today. Just go to hover.com slash adapt and you will get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL, one more time, is hover.com slash adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Federico, it is Ask Adapt time. Mm. It's been a while, and as a much needed reminder, I'm sure, for listeners, If you have a question related to the iPad, related to anything we talked about today, uh, if you want to ask me questions about the Mac, um, I won't let Federico see them, but um, you can send those questions in via a tweet. Uh, You can just send out a tweet that has the hashtag AskAdapt, and we'll see those questions. Or if you'd like to, you can email us through our website, relay.fm/Adapt. There's a, a contact button there that will send us an email. So we've got uh, a few questions to answer today. Um, First off, let's go with a question from Bram, who asks, uh, given how terrible Twitter on the iPad Pro 12.9 is, do you rely on it as your main Twitter client, or do you use another client as your main one? Uh, Federico, are you using the first-party Twitter app these days?
1: I am, I am, but what I do, we discussed this on Connected a few months ago, Um, to sort of uh, fake my way around uh, the uh, lack of a proper multi-column layout in Twitter for iPad, I have been using the Twitter beta app. It's called, uh, we make fun of it on Connected, it's called Twitter without the vowels, just T-W-T-T-R. They have a test flight, or at least they had a test flight going at some point, so um, I use the two Twitter apps that I have as a, um, uh, with, the, with the main app store one on the left and the Twitter beta app on the right in a compact size class to keep an eye on my mentions. So the main Twitter client to browse my timeline and to follow my Twitter lists on the left and my mentions on the right side. So it's technically like a persistent split view that I have, and it's my I guess it's my default Twitter space. Um, I like using the Twitter app because it's got all the features that I want from the modern Twitter experience, and I've been playing around with some new third-party Twitter clients that are coming out. I think it's going to be really interesting to see third-party developers trying their hand again at doing uh, real Twitter clients with the new Twitter API that the company launched a few weeks ago. However the primary Twitter app still has a lot of touches a lot of features that I cannot get in a third party experience like the easy way that you can pin lists to your timeline or the algorithmic timeline that I use a lot, the home feed, especially because I've been trying to use Twitter less. And so when I come back to Twitter, I think it's really convenient to be able to have an algorithmic feed with the highlights of the things I've missed. And none of these features, like just two examples of things that I cannot get in third-party clients. So even though it's not good on iPad, especially on the big iPad Pro, And I hope, by the way, that iPadOS 14 will be, you know, maybe it's finally the time that Twitter will consider proper multi-column support on iPad. But even then, I've been using the dual Twitter setup with the main Twitter app and the Twitter beta client on the side, and it works pretty okay. Uh, It would be so much easier if Twitter had a customizable column on the right side of the screen because I really value the ability to see the timeline and my mentions at the same time. But this, like, natively, it's not possible if you use Twitter alone.
0: Yeah, I use the first-party client as well. I don't have that other Twitter app, I and I think I tried to sign up, and it wasn't available anymore. So I, I actually didn't realize that they were even still running that test these days. Um, it sounds like it would be a nice a nice iPad setup, but essentially what I've done is... I disabled the the sidebar. Uh, so if you go, or the right, the, kind of the new column that they added uh, a little while ago. So in the left sidebar uh, near the bottom, there's a, a three-dot menu. If you tap on that, then kind of in the bottom middle of the pop-up that appears, there's a button which will toggle the, the right sidebar on or off. Um, when they first launched it, it just showed kind of like, trending hashtags Uh, now it actually will show both some hashtags and then some other like what's happening type things which kind of compiles different news that's going on which maybe in any other year but 2020 I would appreciate because I I do like seeing some of those kind of what's happening um, featured kind of collections of tweets and so on but these days the news is just so discouraging that um, it's it's not something I want to see every time I use Twitter, right? I, I I go to the the search tab occasionally and can see those things there, but I don't want it pinned in my in my app at all times next to the timeline. So I basically just don't use the screen space on my iPad Pro very well because I have just hmm. uh, my timeline next to the the left sidebar. But I I still do like the app, so that's what I'm using um salo asks do you have any tips for photo management apps it says, i'm dying for a folder or section in the photos app for uncategorized photos you know photos that aren't in an album or any other app that could do so uh, i have just the recommendation uh, there is an app called best photos uh, which is hmm. all one word um, i've got a link to it in the show notes but best photos is is like a you know a complimentary photo management utility from a third party that has a number of features that aren't available in Apple's photos app, but that use the same photo library. And so it's, you know, you don't have to do any setup or anything like that. It, it just integrates right there with your photos already. And one of their smart albums that they have, there's a number of different options for smart albums, but one of them is all photos that are not in albums. So exactly what you're looking for you know, Anything that's not categorized in an album already will be thrown into this not-in-albums smart album inside Best Photos. So that is the app that I would check out. Very nice. Um, Andreas asks, would you recommend the Magic Keyboard for someone who uses the iPad all day, hauling it to and from work, and from classroom to classroom, closing and opening it 100-plus times a day, or hmm. is it more of a stationary... Uh, you device like meant to be used in one place. Uh, what would you say about that, Federico?
1: I think it depends. Like when you're at uh, this person goes at school and at work. Uh, I think they they said uh, like in those places. Anyway, no matter the place where you're using your device, like in those places, do you have a desk available, or you know, do you need to like um, stand and walk around? Uh, or are you actually sitting down at a table at a desk? Or can you put, you know, can you use a laptop on your lap? Because if that's the case, uh, like if you work at a desk or if you have a table or something, I think it's fine. Uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned before, at least for me personally, I'm using a bag to carry the device around anyway. So, uh, you know, that's not really a problem. I wasn't expecting to be carrying the iPad Pro in my, you know, in my jacket pocket or something. Uh, so I'm using a bag, and it's fine. I can just throw the iPad pro with the magic keyboard in the bag and the opening multiple times that's no issue like that's what the divide what the accessory has been designed for. It's totally fine. It very much depends on the uh work situation that you have going at those places, like are you actually sitting? Do you have a desk? Do you have a table um is the place where you're working designed for laptop use. Or is it more like, uh, you know, everybody's just standing and walking around? If so, I don't recommend the Magic Keyboard. But if you're planning on sitting and having a desk, having a table, having a flat surface to work on, then I think it's totally okay. And I think it's totally fine to carry the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard in a bag. Uh, Opening is really quick, like it takes you literally like a second to open and adjust the Magic Keyboard. So depending on your... um, situation i would absolutely recommend it i love the device i love the accessory opening it multiple times no big deal
0: yeah i agree the only thing i would be concerned about potentially is the weight so if you're yeah. trying to decide you know do i want the magic keyboard or do i want like the smart keyboard folio i mean i definitely think that the trackpad is well worth it but it is a really bulky accessory so if if the weight is a big problem to you then you might want to go with the smart keyboard instead but if, if you can bear it at all, I, I'd say the Magic Keyboard is probably the better device. And then lastly, uh, Garrick asks, I've noticed something odd in my Files app. Have you ever seen or heard of two downloads folders appearing mm. in Files before? How does something like that happen? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, that actually has happened to me. Um,
1: do, you know how, do you know how? I do. Because I do. Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: you go ahead, Federico.
1: So I think this happens if you switch download locations for Safari in settings, every time you pick a different location, uh, uh, the system recreates a downloads folder inside that location. So say if you pick the iCloud drive, uh, it, it would create a downloads folder in the main root of iCloud drive. And then if you go in settings, Safari downloads, and you pick on my iPad instead, it would recreate a downloads folder in the on my iPad location too.
0: Yeah, exactly. and. Um, for me, I that might have been how it first got set up for me, but I also noticed recently that on my iPhone, I have the download location set up as being iCloud Drive, whereas on my iPad, it's on my iPad. And I think that that iPhone download folder still syncs to the iPad, and which is kind of how I want it to work, because I want to be able to access things that I downloaded right. on my iPhone from my iPad but not necessarily vice versa. I don't have to. And so I've got two downloads folders because of that. So yeah, the mystery solved, Garrick. You're, it's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with your device. It's working yes, as it's yes. supposed to.
1: It's all good. It's All good.
0: All right. Well, that is it for this episode's ask adapt. Um, we, welcome any questions we've still got a backlog that we need to work through at some point but uh feel free to write in with that hashtag if you have an ipad or app related question uh we'd love to see it um we we're not going to set a challenge for next time um we i I think federico you and i have come to appreciate having a little more flexibility in whether we're going to do a challenge every single episode or not yeah and so uh next time we are not going to have one episode after that, probably, but who knows? Um, so we won't set a challenge yet. I do want to mention a couple things before we wrap up today, though. One I had already hinted at, which is that in the next week or so, you and I are releasing our Relay FM members episode of mm-hmm. Adapt, where we walk through our iPadOS 14 home screens, which unfortunately are not full of widgets, but they. <laughs> You know, there's still uh, we do have some widgets cool. that we're using. Only
1: one side, is. Only, only one cool, side. Cool. Yeah. yeah,
0: and then we have got apps and other things that we're gonna talk through. And so, um, in order to gain access to that episode, you need to be a Relay FM member. Whether you are supporting this show directly or supporting any other Relay FM show, you will gain access to what's called the Relay FM crossover podcast feed, uh, where there are a bunch of member episodes from all over the different Relay shows that are being published both in August and now September. And, uh, and we're doing this as part of celebrating Relay FM's anniversary. So uh, if you'd like to support us, then you can go to relay.fm slash adapt. At the top of the screen, there are a couple options for supporting the show directly, or I've put a link in the show notes where you can do it there. Um, the second thing, though, even more important, is that uh, Relay is doing something which it, it started out um, last year as this big, wonderful fundraiser for St. Jude uh, in the month of September uh, lining up with Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so uh, we and all the other Relay FM shows want to highlight St. Jude and Cancer Awareness so that uh, we can help raise funds for this amazing organization. Um, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is uh, working with organizations such as the World Health Organization, who are committed to transforming cancer care uh, with the goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common cancers by 2030. That, That is not very far off. And you can help them do that. Um, With your support, with our support, we can help St. Jude stay true to its life-saving mission of finding cures and saving children. And so you can donate to support Childhood Cancer Awareness at stjude.org slash relay. Uh, Again, that URL is stjude.org slash relay. I can't think of a better cause to support, and especially at this time of year, you know the falls coming up, and there's there's usually lots of Apple devices that um, we and I'm sure many of our listeners like to purchase and enjoy. And uh, before we get into all that, let's um, let's put our money towards something that is is really making a difference in the world through the work that St. Jude is doing to help prevent childhood cancer and and make the world a better place. Truly, yep. and we'll be doing this all throughout the month of September. So. Uh, with that, this has been episode 33 of ADAPT. I want to thank our sponsors, Text Expander, Paperlike, and Hover. And to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash ADAPT slash 33 for today's episode. And to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vittici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at Iryan, T-L-D-R, that's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R, And both of us are writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.